We ask you, Heavenly Father, to open your word to our hearts and open our hearts to your word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So my question for you today is, if you were a tree, what kind of a tree would you be? What kind of a tree might you want to be? Would you want to be a fruit tree? A beautiful adornment tree? Something like a solid oak? A Christmas tree? Peach tree? Apple tree? The tallest tree in the world, as you probably know, is a redwood. They found one in 2006 that was 380 feet tall. Can you believe that? That's like a 30-story building tall. Well, the trees certainly uh, occupy significant places in our scriptures. There's two references to trees today. One compared in Jeremiah compared to a shrub. And in the book of Psalms compared to chaff, which we'll come to in a minute. But let me just point out that in the second chapter of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, we have a reference to the tree of life. It said, God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and he made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for the food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life. And in the very last chapter of the Bible, we have another reference to this tree of life. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. must have been a big arching tree. You ever seen these pictures of the pioneers when they went out west? And if their tree was in the way, they would cut a hole in the middle and they could drive cars right through the trunk of a tree. They were so big. So on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So our scriptures are bracketed by this reference to the tree of life. How is that tree meant to give us life? Well, let's look, if you would, at Psalm 1. I'm going to use that as a springboard into uh, Psalm chapter 1. And if you'd like to follow along in your bulletin, I'd be most grateful. Or if you have a pew Bible near you, you can do that as well. Warm my heart. Okay, Psalm 1. So some, uh, some people see this as a deliberate introduction to the Psalms. Derek Kidner calls it a faithful doorkeeper as we move into the Psalms, presenting these two ways, how to be blessed and how to miss out on the blessing. It says in verse 1, Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered or stood in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. So it begins with the description of the happy person and what he does not do, not what he does do. He does not walk and stand and sit with the people he's not supposed to. It's an interesting reference when you think back to the Adam and Eve story that they got in trouble because they, of what they, the temptation they couldn't resist. So three postures, walking, standing, sitting, Maybe the activities of thinking, behaving, and belonging in which a person's fundamental choice of allegiance is made and carried through. Maybe seen as three degrees of separation from God as we conform to the world instead of conforming to God. We're accepting its advice. We're being party to its ways. And we're adopting the attitude of scorn and scoffing. 
And now we go on in verse 2 to see what they do do. That's what they're not to do. What are they to do? They're to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. How do you learn to delight in God's word? Because it's a big word. It's overwhelming. It's, it's imposing. It's a library written so many years ago. One of the, Eugene Peterson translates this. He addresses it to you who thrill at the, God's word. Their delight is found in the law of the Lord, God's holy book, in the counsel of God. How do we f- develop that sense of delight? Uh, the 1971 film Fiddler on the Roof, produced and directed by Norman Jewison, we see Tevye, the father of five daughters, in a Jewish village in Russia set in 1905. And uh, he's a poor farmer and milkman, and he must cope with the strong-willed actions of his daughters who want to go against tradition. And he's also being threatened by the Russian authorities as they want to evict the Jews from the village. And in the opening song, and I hadn't noticed this before, the opening song, he's singing, If I Were a Rich Man. I've been practicing this dance for my daughter's wedding. And he talks about if he was rich, he'd have a big house plop in the middle of the village and there'd be a big staircase going up and another big staircase going down and a third, third big staircase going nowhere just for show. He says he could he'd have enough that his wife could have a double chin and prance around with the rich people. He said it'd be, the most important thing was people in the village would come to him and ask him important questions and he would answer them. And it wouldn't matter if he was right or wrong because they think rich people know. And then the last verse is, If I were rich, I'd have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray and maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. And I'd discuss the learned books with the holy men seven hours every day. And then he says, And that would be the sweetest thing of all. And I showed this to my kids at school to say, you know, if we got all this wealth, what would we do? We naturally tend to all the things we would buy and do. But for Tevye, it was just to read the holy books and discuss them and pray. Pray that we would develop that sense of delight. The second word is meditate. Or one of the translations said they would chew on the scriptures day and night. Now meditate. So uh, Father Price has just been away on a spiritual retreat where he's had a chance to meditate and be silent. And when you've been away on a retreat for a time, you've sort of all just fired up with all you've learned. And I, I offered to let him preach today because he must be on fire. And he said, if, oh, Bob, I said if I was preaching, I would just have them be silent for 10 minutes. So you may be wishing he had taken my offer, but... <laughs> the word for meditate on his word, it comes up in the next psalm, Psalm 2. And there it's translated like this. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. It's a word of rebellion as they they, uh, connive and scheme how they can overthrow God in their lives. So this is a very strong word to meditate, to think about it, to be deliberate, to agitate. How can I be that tree? How can I be that blessed man? How can I do what he wants me to do in the world? So verse 3 then, we, come, we get the image of this person who delights and meditates. They will be like a tree planted by streams of water. And three things that they do well. Bearing fruit, leaves not withering. All that they do, they prosper. How do they do that? 
because of where they're planted by the streams of living water. Tom Wright says in his book, The Case of the Psalms, people such as those described here at the opening of the Psalter are drawing up the life and presence of Yahweh by putting down their roots down deep into his word. Are we putting our roots down deep into the waters that will give us life? It was really nothing else the tree does to grow. Gets the water and it just naturally grows. It bears fruit. It develops wood for building and fruit for eating and flowers for enjoying. And then after this beautiful picture of the tree, in comparison we have this brief little verse about the chaff. Not so the wicked, they're like the chaff which the wind blows away. And the Septuagint adds the phrase, off the face of the earth. If you've ever been in a harvest situation, I saw I grew up in a farm and when the harvest came in and the grain started pouring into the granary and the chaff starts coming off with the dust and the sweat and is really annoying and itchy and irritating. And that's what chaff is. Just It's served its purpose, it's protected the grain and it is no longer needed. It's blown away, inconsequential and passing, not connected or useful. So we put our roots down deep. There's some evidence that some trees... As they, in a grove, their roots join together and become that much stronger and help each other. And then verse 5 and 6. For the wicked shall not stand upright when the judgment comes, nor sinners in the counsel of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is doomed. So we start this psalm, if you look at verse 1, with the wicked, and it ends with the wicked. And their sad situation from removing themselves from God. But the righteous is known by God. It's more than knowing God, but the more profound reality about being known by God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, whoever loves God is known by God. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 13, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Just turn back to the prayer for purity. A couple years ago, I started reading this thinking, "Ah, this is kind of sobering prayer. To you, God, all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. There are days I wish God didn't know my desires and my secrets, and yet he loves me anyway. The astounding thing is, knowing us completely, he still loves us and gives himself for us. So to know isn't just information, but it's about caring. So how do we be the tree that God wants us to be? By sinking our roots into the word of God, into the love of God, of seeking to be known by him and guided by him, living out our life of baptism. I think of the waters, the root sinks into the waters. We have water at the back for reminding us of our baptism, living out our baptismal life allowing growth to take place, finding how he wants us to be a blessing and to prosper, not only in our own individual spiritual growth, but in the world that we calls us to bless. But who is this blessed man that the psalmist talks about? The translation is kind of misses the point, I think, in verse 1. Happy are those would indicate a plurality, a a generic kind of a group of people. But the psalm is very specific. Blessed is the man. The commentator Patrick Reardon says this is a clear reference to Jesus. All the early church fathers saw in this psalm a reference to Jesus, that he was the blessed man. 
He was the man who fulfilled the law. The law of the Lord, which is to be our delight and meditation, finds its meaning only in him. He fulfills the requirement of the law that we might know its blessing. In between these two references to the tree of life at the very beginning and the very end come two other significant trees. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Whatever that was, it was prohibited and forbidden. But because of our ancestors' inability to resist the temptation of the evil one, because of their inability to obey the prohibition and ate of the fruit of the tree, they positioned, removed themselves from God. And that was the story of the scriptures, people away from God, dealing with sin and evil. But the other tree that comes into the situation to solve the problem, of course, is the cross, the tree on which Jesus hung. Paul makes it very clear in Galatians 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And so the cross becomes for us the tree of life. We go to him to receive life, the fruit and the food and the sustenance and the stability that we need in our lives. And as we come to him, the tree of life, then we can model it in our lives and we can become blessed as we delight in God's word and respond to his will. We're about to be blessed by the choir with the old song, Jesus Christ, the apple tree. The first verse, one of the verses says, the tree of life my soul has seen, laden with fruit and always green, the trees of nature fruitless be, compared with Christ, the apple tree. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.